Welcome to Integrative Oncology Talk, where we discuss the latest science and opinions from leading voices in integrative oncology. Integrative oncology utilizes complementary therapies and lifestyle strategies to help those affected by cancer using personalized approaches and evidence-based recommendations. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Santosh Rao, a medical oncologist and integrative oncologist, and Dr. Judith Lacey, a supportive care and integrative oncology physician. With support from the Society for Integrative Oncology, an international multidisciplinary organization whose mission is to advance the science and education of integrative oncology worldwide. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect views of the participants' workplace or SIO and are not meant to offer medical advice. The information, opinions, and recommendations in the podcast are for general information only. Before making any changes in your healthcare or lifestyle, please discuss with your healthcare provider. Welcome to Integrative Oncology Talk. Today, our topic is going to be oncology massage, which is a super important topic and meaningful to all of us in this field. We have two wonderful guests. One of them is Janet Penny, a massage therapist with extensive experience working with people living with cancer in both her private practice and at an integrative cancer center in Ontario, Canada. She'll be joined by Rebecca Sturgeon, who started out as a massage therapist as well. She's uh, been a massage therapy educator for the majority of her career and currently works as the education director for HealWell, an American-based organization which works towards the meaningful integration of massage therapy into healthcare through multiple educational offerings and interdisciplinary collaboration in a clinical setting. Welcome to Integrative Oncology Talk, Janet and Rebecca. I'm so excited to talk to you today about um, this really amazing topic, oncology massage. Uh, So important. It's one of the modalities where we can really help people with their symptoms. Um, So let's get into it. I think one of the things we're going to be talking about, and it's it's in the background, um, for those of you who are listening on podcasts, There's a wonderful book you guys have written, Oncology Massage, An Integrative Approach to Cancer Care. Uh, This is just a fantastic book, and I do want to talk about that and um, some of the things that you highlight in this book. Uh, So first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about what's unique about oncology massage. You know, everybody loves getting massaged, you know, even from when we're babies and children, we're all used to the 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 touch of you know feeling somebody attending to sore spots or making you feel better, etc. And many of us obviously enjoy getting massages ourselves. What is unique about oncology massage? That's a zinger of a question, and it was asked to me constantly while I was writing the book, and it's something that Rebecca and I discussed a lot as well. Yes. What is unique about oncology massage? I think what's unique is the oncology part. So the massage is the massage is the massage. We make adaptations, though, based on what an individual is going through in terms of their cancer treatment, their fatigue levels, signs and symptoms related to the the treatments that they're getting, such as neuropathy and radiation fibrosis. So massage, when people come in for what they call an oncology massage, it's basically the same old massage, but carefully crafted so that we don't cause any damage to the person who's already going through so much in their treatment. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we, we talked a lot about how this is not a protocol. This is not um, a series of steps to follow. 
Um, this is training that is directed towards people who already know how to massage. They know their work, um, but it's really a lot more about knowledge and critical thinking and presence. And how um, how uniform are these guidelines or practices? You know, if you go to different cancer centers, is there kind of uniformity in terms of safety guidelines and practice, or is this something that's kind of developing that you guys are trying to usher in, you know, some kind of consensus on? Well, I, I can speak a little bit to the U.S. and, and Janet, I hope you'll, you'll speak to Canada. So we have that, that sort of international perspective. Um, in the U.S., if you are working with a massage therapist who has oncology massage training, it's pretty consistent what they have been trained, um, how they have been trained to adapt and to consider the patient in front of them. Um, the actual, what actually happens with the person's hands, it's like any massage. Your massage therapist is unique. Um, but as far as like the safety adaptations and considerations, it's pretty consistent for trained therapists. Yeah. Yeah, and it's in the States where oncology massage really got its birth 20, 25 years ago. Is it in that range, Rebecca? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it was Gail McDonald who was really sort of the godmother of this. And then there are many people who helped to, to bring it to, to massage therapists across the country. And in the final chapter of our book, we talk about oncology massage around the world. And most of the places that I interviewed, the people I interviewed from different countries, they all, all of their training stemmed back to Gail McDonald uh, or Tracy Walton in the US. So that's sort of where the baseline of what the standards are began. And in the States, there is the Society for Integrative Oncology, sorry, the Society for Oncology Massage, which um, again helps to standardize to some degree what is expected. Here in Canada, we have almost nothing in terms of oncology massage, in terms of the massage therapists getting training in their baseline training. We are expected to be able to work with complex medical conditions. But I think what stands out with cancer is that it is a complex medical condition, but it's also very complex medical treatment. And that's really where the adaptations come in for the oncology massage. So you, you mentioned, you touched on training. What is the training uh, like, you know, even for regular massage therapists, but for oncology massage, just take us through what what normally somebody would need to do. Yeah. So, um, so again, I can only speak to the, to the U.S. And, and I know Janet has more of a global perspective on this. The Society for Oncology Massage has some standards for, um, for the training that pretty much anyone who teaches oncology massage in the U.S., whether or not they're affiliated with the Society for Oncology Massage, follows the same standards. Um, and the basic training, which is... Um, a workshop of, you know, between 24 and 48 hours just prepares you to work, to ad adapt safely and um, doesn't really prepare you to do in-depth work, work with more complex things like lymphedema or risk for lymphedema, those kinds of things. Um, and it's, it's all, um, it's, it's extremely simple and extremely complex at the same time um, because what, what you're adapting it's, it's not complicated to make the adaptations. Um, what is complicated is to add an understanding 
of um, the mechanisms of cancer, how cancer starts and spreads and cancer treatments and what is actually happening in a body and how to have the conversations with your clients or patients to elicit the information you need mm. um, is more complex. So uh, a lot of the training focuses a whole lot on that um, and less so on hands-on, although that is a part of the training. That's we're massage therapists. That's what we do. If we don't get to touch people, we get a little weird. So, um, um, so that's the basic training. Um, beyond that, it's really up to the therapist. There is no um, capital C certification for oncology massage in the U.S. Mm. There are some programs that will offer cert- small C certificates um, that give uh, take you through more advanced trainings like manual lymphatic drainage and things like that. Um, but it's the basic basic training is pretty consistent. Yeah, and I think having experience working in a cancer center or having experience working with these people yes. and these patients is kind of one of the main criteria I would say when whenever I've hired uh, you know oncology massage uh, personnel for our team um, I and the other thing I would say is that you know you all are a part of the team a very important part of the team I think <clears throat> when you work in a multidisciplinary kind of team setting you don't know who is going to find something specific about the patient that um, that somebody else didn't pick up on so this kind of intake part of it is really really important. Um, and you know, getting back to your to your book, um, you know, I I, I do want to say how comprehensive it, it is, um, you know, and, and I think uh, it's really uh, nice to see that because I think it gives us a common framework. You know, um, many of us have trained in different ways to be part of this field of integrative oncology. We come at it from different angles, but. Um, having some basic understanding of, of cancer, but also the integrative approach to cancer, uh, it gives us a common framework and dialogue that we can use. I mean, there's a lot of really, I, I do encourage people to check out this book, but there's a lot of um, great chapters and you talk about the hallmarks of cancer and you know the way cancer develops and spreads. And I think that's all great background information because if we all have this basic understanding um, and then can kind of start the dialogue together uh, from that framework, then it becomes easier for us to work as a team so that if you have a question of whether you can do something from a practical standpoint, we're all kind of coming at this from from the same type of perspective. you know, and as an integrative oncologist, it's helpful also because you know I may have something to add, you might have something to add, and then we can kind of all kind of discuss it together. Rebecca and I spoke endlessly about how much knowledge does a massage therapist need to work with people with cancer? And that is basically an unanswerable question. But we really wanted massage therapists to have a comprehensive idea of what their clients were going through in order to work well with the client, but also with an integrative team. We wanted to be very educated healthcare practitioners. So that was one of the premises of what we developed. Mm-hmm. And we were also keeping in mind, um, it's, it's exactly right what you said, Santush, it's, it, it, it's to have the opportunity to work directly with other providers um, mm-hmm. and participate in care in that collaborative setting is, um, it's just an absolute dream. And, um, but we're also aware that most massage therapists, at least in the U.S., aren't working that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they may be working in private practice or in spas or in other places. And because 
there are so many humans who are alive who have are living with cancer or have a history of cancer treatment. Um, they also need to know how to adapt. And I think even if you never speak to a person's radiation oncologist or a medical oncologist or whoever, you are still a part of their care team and should behave as such. Um, so that was a lot of the approach that we took in this book as well. Well, I'm going to ask you kind of a, a, you know, kind of maybe it's a loaded question that way, but, you know, most massage therapists don't work in a cancer center. So those of us who are lucky enough to have massage therapists, uh, it's great if they're part of your team, but, you know, massage is something that's uh, readily available and ubiquitous. And also you can find uh, different types of massage, different costs. Um, and so, you know, people will make their own choices when it comes to that. Um, first of all, what's your take on, you know, how important it is to to go to somebody who's, um, you know, trained in oncology massage? And if not, what is your message to people who may work, um, you know, out in the community who are, who are seeing these patients? Uh, you know, when should they maybe not get involved? Uh, do you have any suggestion there? Or, um, you know, how, what's the best way to educate them and, and you know, kind of make this a collective effort? Yeah. That's the big um, question, huh? That is, that is the question. Um, I would say it's, it's absolutely vital that, that if you um, are in cancer treatment, especially, or have a history of cancer treatment, that you find someone who is trained. Um, and I understand that that's sometimes not possible, especially if you're in a more rural part of the United States or um, a more remote area. Um, my goal, I'm also an oncology massage educator, and one of my goals in writing this book and just um, where I'm kind of trying to nudge the profession to go is to make my job as an oncology massage educator obsolete because this is part of what's taught in basic training, mm -hmm. that you don't get to be a massage therapist unless you know this. And I think it's that ubiquitous that um, no matter what setting you work in, you 100% absolutely are going to have someone come through your room, your practice room, who um, has a history of cancer treatment. It's going to happen. Um, so I think it's vital, but at the moment. Yeah, and certainly some of the effects of cancer treatments are not just right after the, or during the treatments or right after, but they can occur late. So mm -hmm. for instance, if somebody comes in and they have a problem with range of motion in their shoulder and their health history informs us that they had perhaps a mastectomy or radiation, that's critical information for us to treatment plan in order to treat them, not just from a biomedical perspective, but um, or biomechanical perspective, but to look at everything that's going on in their body and how it has affected the soft tissues and the joints. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just say that I, I've had a, a patient who um, we found a recurrence of their breast cancer, and it was the massage therapist that picked up on the fact that their yeah. lymphedema had just suddenly increased. Um, and they were they were the ones who, who, you know, alerted us and it ended up, you know, being impactful in their in their diagnosis and, and well we spend treatment. a lot of time with our clients up to an hour often an hour every week we get to know them very very well and as long as we're comfortable maintaining a really good therapeutic relationship it allows a lot of space for the client to talk and to share and it's through that that we learn a lot and can often find out about things that that should be checked out by their medical oncologist That's all exactly right. right so let's get into this where let's say you know, you have a patient, what is the normal um, intake process? And then uh, how long do you spend? 
I think you mentioned an hour, right? Um, and then maybe we can talk about some of the specifics, um, the, the things to avoid, and then how you deal with different situations. So what is <laughs> what is your normal intake process look like? <laughs> um, no, I'm laughing because there is no such thing as normal. Um, <laughs> it, de- it depends. It depends so much. Um, like it just make it depends my first answer to every question and I think we'll save ourselves some time but um, it, it depends on where you work so for example when I had a private practice my intake took as long as it took because it was my practice and I could you know it was my time and um, you know I had some people who I would talk to for five minutes and I had all the information I needed and I felt like we had established enough of a trust to start working some people i talked to for near on an hour i mean um, how do people feel most, how, how do people feel um i've had different feedback on these kind of things because you guys are so um you know in a unique situation where some people may expect you to talk to them and some people might just be like look can you work on this kind of thing um mm-hmm. So how do you pick up on that and and you know do you ever feel like you know you can tell probably who you need to talk to more and some people who probably don't want to talk and just have, you know, that desire to get. <laughs> yeah, it is a basic premise that in order to offer the massage, we want to make sure it's safe and that requires information. My experience has mostly been that most clients, I would say all even are very appreciative of the thoroughness of the intake so that I know mm. everything that's going on in relation to their cancer treatment that's relevant to the massage and they then feel quite confident that they're in good hands. So I think it's an important space and time for us to assume as practitioners. And that's one of the things that we tried to do in the book and in general um, is to give people a a sort of like accordion style flexibility with your intake. So there are some things that you absolutely need to know in order to be safe. And one of those, like the question that I tell people, you know, if you're working at a franchise where you have less than five minutes to do intake. Your question is, have you ever had lymph nodes removed, radiated, tested? Um, And that is basically your gateway to adapt safely to some of the major safety adaptations um, for massage. Um, And the other thing is that that, um, our friend and colleague, Tracy Walton, um, has a, a book where she lays out some principles in general, and one of her principles is my favorite thing ever about massage, when in doubt, don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're unable to get the information, but you suspect, act as if the thing you suspect is true. So let's, and, let's take, take us through some of those safety issues. So what are areas or things that you really try to avoid or, or situations where you try to avoid doing massage uh, in people at different stages of the cancer journey? That's interesting. The stages is one thing. What what we look at is what they're going through in terms of their treatment or post-treatment. So if somebody has, as Rebecca said, had lymph nodes removed or irradiated, then they are by definition at a higher risk for lymphedema. And there's a way of working with them so that we don't increase that risk. If by any chance there's an area of a person's body we can't work on, for instance, there's metastasis to the bone and the bones are fragile, then we can do all kinds of other things. We can work on other parts of their body. We can do cranial sacral therapy. We can do uh, reflexology if we're trained in that. So there's always ways to adapt the treatment, irregardless of what the person's living with 
whether it's they've just been diagnosed, they're in the middle of intensive treatments, or even if they're at the end of life. And and we also like to say, Janet and I have had this conversation too, that, that um, skilled, attentive touch um, can always be made safe. Like there's, there is almost never a time when someone can't be touched in a skilled, attentive, and loving way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're doing may not look like, you know, massage, <laughs> as, as um, you might think of it, but it's, it is massage by my definition. Um, what about the people who talk about massage in areas that have cancer? You know, one of the things that's that's uh, discussed is, you know, will it increase blood flow? Or, you know, normally I, I, I've been told that you don't do deep t- tissue massage over a cancer nodule, for example. But what is the fact and fiction about that? And is there research around that? Well, the only, like somewhat universal um, contraindication or caution that we have in oncology massage is you don't massage over a tumor site, a known mm. tumor site. Um, and after that, it's all, it's, it's all critical thinking and finding out information. Um, Janet, I know you know more about the research than I do. Uh, right. So I would not say that there's anything absolutely definitive that guides us in how to offer treatment based on the research that's done. There is a lot of fact though around what chemotherapy does to the body, what radiation does, what hormone therapy does. So again, by being educated massage practitioners, we can take that information and adapt it to make sure that we offer a safe treatment. Safety is the bottom line. Then as a massage therapist gets more comfortable, more skilled, gets more training, then they can work into more rehabilitative treatments. Um, For instance, working with people who have fibrosis after radiation treatment. There's a lot we can do with our manual approach to really soften those tissues. We don't break them down, but we soften them. We encourage blood flow. We encourage lymph flow, which by definition, again, makes for healthier tissues. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to ask you about that because I want to talk about some, you know, specific modalities during uh, right after treatment. So let's let's talk about radiation. So obviously sometimes you get skin changes mm-hmm. and other times, you know, probably later you're going to get fibrosis. Um when would you want, you know, people to send patients to you, you know, at what at what point is it do you want to see them early? Do you want to see them you know, kind of as it develops, so you know for sure? And then how do you work with those patients and what kind of results have you seen? Well, as Rebecca said, it's always safe to work with everybody. We just adapt. So if somebody's in the middle of radiation treatments, we never work directly on the area. The skin and the underlying tissue is too fragile. We also really encourage massage therapists to understand the three-dimensionality of the impact of radiation so that they know that it can be impacting blood vessels and lymphatic vessels. Once the area has healed and we follow the healing stages that are that are common after any wound or incision, then it's safe to work on the area. But again, always start super cautiously and proceed very slowly. So that might mean three or four minutes working on the area with very gentle touch and then doing other things in the treatment time and seeing how the client reacts to what you've done. We don't want to jump on the tissues and try and change them really quickly. They're too fragile. Great. Yeah. And then um, how about, you know, during or after chemo? 
I think one of the things that um, the book also touches on a lot of these topics, but neuropathy, you know, <laughs> so how how might massage help in uh, in neuropathy or, or help with the pain related to neuropathy? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question. Um, I have worked with one of my, my previous jobs was working at an infusion center. So I was working with people literally while they were getting their infusions or directly after, before, or after. Um, and we don't have, we don't yet have the research to say anything definitive about what massage can do for neuropathy. All I have is anecdotal evidence, um, which is with that approach, like Janet mentioned, that's, that is, you know, start slow and work gently forward. Um, and with, remain in contact with your client or patient to see how the work is, is flowing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that people can have a positive result. I don't want to suggest at all that massage can rebuild nerves that have been damaged. Because, you know, let's be realistic about what our modality actually does. Um, but what it can do anecdotally is to um, change someone's experience of their body as it is with the neuropathy, with um, the way that their nerves are now, so that it is um, a more uh, pleasant experience to live in their body. Um, we, it, there has been research, just not enough to say that this is, this is a thing yet, but some research in the organization, organization I work for is trying to get um, started some research into a specific protocol that is just for uh, chemo-induced peripheral neuropathy um, that seems to be really effective. Um, you know, if nothing else, if it doesn't um, fix, we don't fix, but if it doesn't quote-unquote fix the neuropathy, people get a really nice foot massage and they feel good. I was just going to ask, is it a lot of it foot <laughs> reflexology? Is that the main focus? No. Well, it depends on your training. Um, mm-hmm. I personally am not trained in reflexology, so I don't claim to do that. But the, the protocol that I'm talking about is it's more related to lymphatic drainage. Hmm. Um, so it's not lymphatic drainage, but it's more in that family. Interesting. Moving techniques. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I often find myself in a position of as well is educating clients. You know, they've gone through some type of informed consent, I presume, before they have their chemotherapy and their radiation and their hormone therapy and their immunotherapy, but they don't always know what they're going, what's going to happen to them during and after that. So when they show up with neuropathy or cording or reduced mobility, they're surprised. Mm. And often they think, because I've been diagnosed with cancer, I've been through treatment, I'm now considered clear, this is what I have to live with. And part of what we can do is educate them that they don't have to live with all of those uh, limitations in their life, that through massage or acupuncture or physiotherapy or an endless number of modalities, they can have an, an exponentially better quality of life. Wonderful. Uh, how about pain? You know, uh, obviously, you know, there's there's research. Massage has a lot of research around it in in cancer, and one of the one of the areas we talk about is pain. But there's a lot of different types of pain. You know, we talked about neuropathy. There's certainly acute pain. There's metastatic pain from specific yeah. you know bone injury, whatnot, and then there's more of a kind of chronic pain or you know deep muscular pain. Um, 
how do you see massage fitting in, you know, and do you kind of also kind of, uh, you know, fine tune it, whether it's the type of massage or is there certain patients where you say, you know what, this is not going to work for you? Um, you know, because I feel like that's also important is to get a sense of, you know, where is it the right modality and when do we need to really hit harder on the narcotics, for example, or acupuncture or something like that? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. It's, and, and I think it's, it's, is it the right modality and, um, does this patient have expectations that are realistic based Mm -hmm. on my understanding of what massage can do? Um, because that's what I run into more often is that, you know, I'm, if you have bone metastasis and your pelvis is going to crumble, if you step down hard, I'm not going to take away that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, what I can do is um, maybe give, give you the experience of um, a more comfortable experience of living in your body as it is now. So I don't think there, I don't think that massage will completely upend the use of narcotics ever. Um, I do think that, that um, being realistic, gently realistic about the expectations and what massage can do um, can really do a lot to, to help with, um, with how someone experiences their body as it is. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I had a fellow call me last week, and he has esophageal cancer that has ended up in his stomach, and he has quite a bit of pain in his stomach. And he wanted to come in for a massage. He said, "I'm pretty sure it's muscular, so massage will help." And just from that little bit of information, it was enough for me to say it's unlikely that the massage will directly affect the pain that you have in your abdomen. However, what it can do is address everything in your body. Mm-hmm. It can address the amount of stress that you're living with, that sympathetic response that keeps people in that hyper alert place. We can help to sort of balance that out with a slightly more elevated parasympathetic response so that people leave feeling relaxed, more comfortable. And the secondary effects of the pain are a little better managed. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my next question is anxiety. Um, you know, Huge. take me through... You know, how do you guys, first of all, assess uh, the moods of your clients and um, and then connect with them? And and then, you know, how often do you, in your experience, really, do you feel like, you know, you need to keep seeing somebody, let's say, if they have anxiety in particular? We know that there's good research on anxiety and massage. Um, I think it's a great use of massage in those situations. Um, so tell me your experience with that. Yeah, that's skating so dangerously close to scope of practice yes. and what we're allowed to do. Yes. In terms and of what the we're mood. actually qualified yeah. to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet um, it's there in every single treatment. There's no question well, <laughs> about that. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a colleague who says that um, she really feels like massage therapy should be classified more as a. Uh, uh, tell me if this is the right word, Janet, psychosocial intervention along with like social work and spiritual direction and that kind of thing. Um, That it's a physical modality that really works on um, the mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Um, But 
Yeah. So it's, it's hard to say like how we assess because that is not, we don't have official assessment tools for anxiety because that's, that would be outside our scope of practice as massage therapists. We're not yes. mental health um, professionals. Um, but <laughs> every massage therapist who's been in practice for more than a year um, has definitely um, been in situations where um, it's necessary to kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. And this is an area where we get we get into a really murky area because I feel like there needs to be more training around this area, but it's not our scope of practice. So how do you train people to do something that's not in their scope? And and um, you know, it's not really, is it really the best use, the best therapeutic thing to say to somebody like, you seem really anxious. I can't work with you. Here's a card of my friend, you know, the the counselor or whatever. Um I think because, as Janet alluded to earlier, because we have the leisure of time that a lot of our colleagues don't have, you know, the hands, our hands on time is like a half hour to an hour to 90 minutes, um, that we also have the leisure to kind of um, give space for people to I just say blurp, you know, if they need to. <laughs> um, and a lot of what people come to us for is just like a safe space to blurt, um, to just, you know, say words and have them be said. Um, and well, I think what it. you said is also really important because you have to know, and I think you've said this a, a couple different times during this conversation, is know the limitations. Exactly. Know your own limitations and just understand also who you need to engage if you see certain things. I mean, right. my take on it is um, I'm a physician. You know, there's certain things that I can and can't do. But if I hear something, I know who I need to get involved for such and such situation, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. the same thing. You guys might hear something or pick up on something because you spend time with um, with these clients. Um, and then, you know, what triggers you to kind of involve a, a physician or a psychologist yeah. or whatnot? Is Do you feel like there's um, potential, though, when you mentioned scope of practice, that there's potential for even liability or does that come up? Um, you know, what do you educate uh, some of these oncology massage therapists about how to navigate mm-hmm. these situations? Yeah, I think as long as we stay within our scope of practice and we're very clear what it is, then we can be safe ourselves, but also be very, very clear with our clients. It's not uncommon for someone to ask for me to palpate a lump or a bump in their body mm. and to ask what I think it might be. Yeah, And that's so clearly beyond my scope of practice for someone who's been through cancer treatment and is terrified of a reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. It's so clear to me. I always say, outside my scope of practice, you have to see your doctor. They want me to reassure them. And right. I would love to be able to reassure them, but I cannot. Yeah, that's right. so helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how have you guys felt things have been uh, affected by COVID? I, I know that it's been really hard for, I would say, many people. Um, you know, in-person touch therapy has been really hit hard in our healthcare, you know, field. So yeah. you must be talking about this all the time. Um, yeah. Is it getting better now yeah. that people are vaccinated? And how has it affected people? And um, how do you work around this, you know, over the last couple of years? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
gosh, that's that's a question. That is that is a heck of a question. Um, there are so many layers. Like I talk about this almost constantly. Um, there are so many layers to what happened like internally inside the massage therapy profession, especially in March of 2020 when everything was shutting down and we didn't know as much as we know now. Um, and at least in the U S there was this really kind of internal crisis moment um, when it was defined who was an a quote unquote essential worker mm. and massage was not included in that definition, which I think was correct. Um, and, and there was this kind of upswelling of anxiety from massage therapists, like, but I know what I do is important. Yeah. Why are you not acknowledging it's important? And it was, I think, of how the word essential was being used. But that anxiety is still lingering, I think, in the profession um, in several, in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, how we practice now, a lot depends on where in the country you live. You know, I am in um, a red-ish state, in a blue zone of a red state. So, um, you know, the the percentage of people around me who are vaccinated is not as high as I want it to be. So I'm still like masks and air filters and you got to wear a mask too. And um, until, and my, my position on it is I see massage as part of healthcare. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow the same guidelines that the healthcare professionals are being given. And right now the healthcare professionals where I live are being told to mask. I mean, to have everybody else. Do you feel like a lot of people left the field or, you know, obviously very vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, in terms of economics um, yeah. and just felt, okay, I'm vulnerable. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, do you feel like yeah. it's recovering or how do you feel like your colleagues have dealt mm-hmm. with probably some at least somewhat difficult times because volumes probably went down um even even <laughs> if even if you were offering massage there are many people who probably didn't take advantage of that until maybe recently right um we did lose a lot of people a, a lot of people did let me put that a different way a lot of people did leave the profession mm-hmm. um and a lot of that was just people who were thinking that maybe they'd like to leave in the next year or two and they were like okay here's my sign you yeah. know <laughs> um and a lot of it was really uh, massage therapists in the U S in general are not living large. <laughs> so um, don't necessarily have the reserves to um, be out of work for months at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just necessity. Yeah. Um, and I think what's happening now is that the people who are still work, who were able to stick it out and are still here are a little bit, um, still a little bit traumatized. And we're trying to figure out, like, what just happened to us. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, we were, most of us in Canada shut down for about two and a half months where we were unable to work. And then once we went back to work, we had very strict protocols we had to follow, which were intended to keep everybody safe. But I have to say the demand has never been higher for massage. Mm-hmm. People are desperate for touch they're desperate for reasons to leave the house and for many people this is not just people living with cancer but they're working at home with really poor ergonomics and their bodies are killing them so there is a high need and a very high demand at this time most massage therapists are busier than they've ever been great yeah i mean i I don't think it's going anywhere i mean massage is always popular and we need to do more research um so that we can really reinforce um you know benefits obviously um one other uh, 
kind of area where you guys uh, talk about in the book also is um, for hospice patients. Tell me yeah. a little bit about kind of the experience, uh, how it can be helpful in that setting as well. This is like my whole heart. Um, it, it's, a, it's a lot about presence and who you are and who you bring. And I think this is true of any healthcare professional who works in the hospice field. Um, as you're working with someone who is in the process of, you know, exiting this life, um, what massage can bring is, is it's so much. You can bring a comfort in the body as the body shuts down. Um, you can bring a connection through touch to, you know, your humanity because you, you have that humanity until, you know, the last spark of everything is gone. Um, it also brings what I have found um, is when I'm when I'm going to work with someone who is dying. It brings a lot of comfort to the family um, to see their loved one relax, um, and to see you know it could be something as simple as their breathing changes. Mm-hmm. It, it could be you know something as simple as as uh, you know a hand that was clenched unclenches a little bit like those little changes. And it also gives the family just a little bit of respite. Mm-hmm. There's someone else who has their full attention on my loved one. So I can go and wash my freaking face or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and have a moment. Yeah. I did have an experience just as we were preparing the book for publication with a little 14 month old girl whose mom called because her daughter had uh, been the parents had been told that she only had a couple of months left to live and this little girl who was fairly underdeveloped because she'd spent so much time in a hospital bed had lymphedema in one of her arms and her pain was extraordinary she was screaming non-stop and for those of us who have ever spent time with a screaming baby you know it wears you down pretty fast and they had been dealing with it for two or three months and we're told there was nothing that could be done the child was on maximum morphine so they said can you do anything and I said I have no idea I spent about a half an hour doing very very gentle lymphatic drainage treatment on the child's arm and within that half hour she went from having um, her hands blue and cold and it became white and a normal color and it warmed up and her face got rosy it had been totally blanched and clenched and it got rosy and relaxed and she stopped crying so just that tiny intervention that I was able to do and in that time I was also able to show the parents how to do that treatment so they both ended up in tears they said we have our our baby back again they had their little girl back and they were able then to treat her themselves very safely and keep her comfortable and keep themselves a little happier and less just uh, witnesses to her extraordinary agony and it was a deeply moving and deeply informative experience for me. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's touching. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, you talk in the book a little bit about massage around the world. And we may not have time to get into all the specifics. I find this fascinating too, because, you know, massage uh, has been around for, you know, forever probably. And um, there are all sorts of different cultural uh, massage practices, whether it's shiatsu or you know, mm-hmm. in, um, in uh, Ayurveda, there's Abhyanga and Marma points and things like that, and various different massages that have developed in different parts of the world. Um, how do you see that kind of interplaying here? First of all, do you guys uh, have experience with these different massage modalities, or what? What do we normally we're talking probably about 
uh, light touch massage, right? When it comes to cancer uh, patients, we refer to it as as adapting your pressure, because um, I think it's it's it, light touch implies um, a simplicity that is not a, a simplicity of thought. I think that is not necessarily there, but I think any kind, almost any kind of body work can be adapted um, to almost any kind of body. Um, I know enough about Thai massage to recognize the terms that are related to Thai massage. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm, I'm completely Western trained. Um, and that was uh, our kind of focus in the book as well. I mean, do you see a role? I love Thai massage, for example, um, you know, but it's different. You know, it's it's obviously, but yeah. I, I could see there being value in different circumstances, obviously. You know, is that something that people are talking about? How do you start incorporating these world massage modalities? Um, I mean, we would do it with an Ayurveda, for example, but that's yeah. that's probably very limited to an Ayurvedic uh, clinic, you know, rather, or if you're in India, for example, maybe. Um, yeah. Is that could be our next book, Rebecca. Yeah, well, book you know, book. if we get to travel, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Even then, uh, so, I need to go to Thailand for two months to study. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> How about aromatherapy? You know, it's such a, you know, yeah. obviously it's incorporated a lot in massage already. And yeah. aromatherapy is obviously a very exciting field within integrative medicine as well. Um is is that something that's being taught within oncology massage or it's obviously that's its own field of study almost. And, you know, we're starting to understand and research uh, different effects from aromatherapy as well. Well, I, I was going to say, we're kind of following the research. Um, mm -hmm. Basic oncology massage training does not include aromatherapy, but more advanced training does. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you going to say, Janet? Yeah, a couple of the people I interviewed for the oncology massage around the world chapter incorporate aromatherapy in their treatments, but they were a little reluctant to claim it, if you will, because I think the research, to my knowledge, is not there or they didn't feel it was there. And I think they wanted to stay away from anything that sounded unsubstantiated, mm -hmm. um, but they were obviously using it and to, to good end. Yeah. I guess, where do you guys want to see things go next? I mean, I think the book is fantastic. I do want people to buy it and, and read it. I, I really mean that. But, um, you know, where would you like things to go next in, in the field? And what do you what are you hopeful will happen in the field of oncology massage over the next 10 years, for example? Mm. Awareness. Yeah, I, I would love to see every massage therapist trained in Canada have at least a basic safety in oncology massage part of their training. I think that's essential. And I would love if the other um, professions that work with people with cancer were more aware of what oncology massage had to offer. It's not uncommon for a client to come in and their, their oncologist has said, go for a massage. But my guess is they don't know really what they're telling their client to do and they really don't know what some of the safety precautions are so i would just love everybody to be a little more aware so that we can apply it with with the greatest skill possible yeah i'd absolutely agree with that like i said mm -hmm. earlier i want this to be part of basic massage therapy training yeah um that you don't get to be a massage therapist of any kind unless you know this um and my focus for the profession is really not so much about um, 
like uh, developing our hands-on skills in a different way. It's about developing who we are in a different way and a more comprehensive way. Um, and I think this relates directly to oncology massage, um, that giving massage therapists a whole lot more training and guidance and support in exploring themselves, their own humanity, um, their own reasons for being in this profession and how you truly connect with another human being in this space, in this therapeutic space, um, in a way that is really of service as opposed to, um, you know, hierarchical. Um, and that's really more about who we are and, and examining very deeply um, who we are and why we're here, what our purpose is. Well, thank you. Other than reading this book, if, if you're somebody who's in this field, what would be the next steps if you're interested in learning more about oncology massage and helping people with, uh, with cancer? Yeah. So you go to course. Yeah. yeah. Are, are there There's like a, lots of courses or? Um... There are in the U.S. There are several places in Canada. I would recommend that you contact Janet Penny <laughs> because she is amazing and very knowledgeable and an excellent instructor. <laughs> um, no, seriously. Um, and in the U.S., there's a, there's a lot of different um, places. Full disclosure: the organization I work for is called Heal Well. We do oncology massage training. Um, so if you're on the east coast, east coastish area, um, Tracy Walton is also good. Um, I don't know if Gail is still teaching or not, but Gail McDonald, um, greet the day in California. Um, yeah, so this you can look at the Society for Oncology Massage website at their preferred uh, providers um, and to see who resonates with you because yes. um, the information you're going to get is going to be pretty similar. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot more for us to talk about, and uh, there's a lot of research, I think, that needs to be done in this area. You know, I think in integrative oncology in general, we still need to do a lot more research and then fine-tune it and figure out, you know, personalizing uh, which patients benefit the most from different modalities and you know, those kind of things so that we can kind of have a, a really good multimodal approach to, to patients and pick the right therapy for, for different situations. Um, and massage is one of our main tools, I think, to do that. So That's appreciate you guys uh, so much. Yeah. And uh, definitely, I, I love the book. Um, so I'll say that again. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm thankful for, for you joining me today. Thank you so much for your time. Nice to see you again, Rebecca. Nice to see you too. Thank yeah. you for having us. Really yes. appreciate it.